What's going on? It's Chris at Dating Doc. In this podcast episode, we're going to discuss how popular dating apps such as Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, etc. take advantage of your attention for their own gain. This episode will dig deeper into the effects of information overload while also explaining the implications of attention economics taking over their organic process of dating. Stay tuned. So the time of this recording is November 2nd, 2020, the day before the elections. And so this, you know, podcast, again, may seem my style, maybe seem a little bit distracted. Um, I wrote notes down so I can make sure that I stay on path. Normally I outline my podcast episode and um, stick to the topic at hand, stick to the main subjects and points I want to make. Uh, but I did structure this a little bit more. So if I ever sound inauthentic or things of that sort, um, I'm frankly a little bit distracted by what's going to happen tomorrow. And not fearful, but distracted. Because again, it's the big unknown, what's going to happen. And originally, this podcast with this episode was going to focus on on politics. I was going to get into something that I've spoken about uh, before, which was um, politics and dating, right? How our uh, various views, how they converge when it comes to the organic process of dating. But I decided to go with information overload because I actually think that's that's more of a, a holistic issue that goes beyond uh, social political spectrum. It's actually a lot of what's causing um, our analysis paralysis and our issues with, with picking the right kind of partner or keeping the right kind of partner. And it also delves into the, the political spectrum. Um, so tomorrow, yes, I mean, at the time of this recording, who knows what's going to happen. I'm not sure if we're going to start rioting, if people are going to forget that we're Americans first and they, you know, they'd rather be right than get along. I think that's where we're at right now, where we, um, you know, however you want to look at it, whether it's a combination of, of the media men and women in suits um, that have just created this storm of us hating each other, Americans hating each other. And you look at the Visigoths, you look at the history of the Roman Empire, the political infighting and the civil wars uh, caused the Roman Empire to fall. Again, back then they didn't have social media. And we're at a point now where we would just rather latch on to the drama and the debate rather than finding ways to find a common ground. So we are a toxic relationship. We gaslight each other. We have narcissistic tendencies, but it's acceptable. It's socially acceptable. It's a, it's a weird thing. So I'm, I'm hoping for healing after tomorrow. I'm hoping that people have the strength and grit to be patient with each other, to try to understand each other and to be neighborly. If not, America falls, regardless what you believe in, regardless what side. If we forget to be humans first, we're definitely going to forget how to be Americans. Well, I'm going to challenge to see how long you'll stick for this one, because ironically, it's about information overload and attention economics. 
unless you're one of my many loyal followers that listened through the entire podcast episode, thank you for that. So yes, today's topic is information overload and attention economics. So, okay, how does that tie into my story? When I got back from my military deployment uh, more than two years ago, I was reintroduced to uh, information, right, which became an overload. Again, I, I had a set path, a set pattern when I was uh, in the Middle East. I, for example, did not have to worry about the responsibilities of washing dishes, um, taking care of my child, which I love. Um, didn't have a dog at the time, household duties, etc., etc. It was mission focus and calling back home every now and then. And that was it. When I got back, I was completely, completely overloaded with um, family and friends needing things from me, right? And, and I, I, they weren't coming off needy, though I may have perceived it that way. I may have uh, deciphered it that way, but they wanted to see me or, you know, at that time I had family members that were watching my house and they're just pointing out all the things that needed to get fixed. And um, again, not taking into account the fact that I was in a set pattern of not having all this information hitting at me. On top of all that, I was surrounded by all the digital media. Now, it was one thing to check up on social media when when I was deployed. It's another thing to be bombarded by information overload, commercials, et cetera, et cetera. And it led to me being very anxious Okay, I had, I had uh, absolute feelings of being overwhelmed. It was a shock to the system. And what I noticed is that I think we're all used to it. We, we, we get used to it. And in a way, absorbing so much information becomes a part-time job that goes over your head or under the radar, depending the way you look at it. But that's how, that's how it's become, right? Just look at not only how much information you receive every day, right? On your phone, emails, texts, social media, videos, uh, cat memes, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also how much information we have to then respond to, you know, to the whole Pavlovian theory of instead of the, the bell that gets the dog's attention, it's the fact that we get a notification on Facebook or Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And we have to almost feel like we're accountable to all the information that we're getting. So that's what this entire podcast is going to be about. First half is going to go into information overload. And then we're going to get into attention economics. And I'll finish it up talking about how this all ties into the digital dating apps. Stay tuned. So what is information overload? Well, I found some really interesting names that they also go by. Infobesity, infoxication, information anxiety, and information explosion. And uh, in summary, it's the difficulty in understanding an issue and effectively making decisions when one has too much information about that issue. Generally associated with the excessive quantity of daily information, as I've alluded to. And um, the term was actually popularized in a 1964 book, called the managing of organizations. And uh, later on, Alvin Toffler popularized it in 1970 uh, in a book called Future Shock, where he uh, stated that if the input exceeds the processing capacity, 
information overload occurs, which is likely to reduce the quality of the decisions. And I, I actually like that definition a lot because what's interesting is how the pendulum swings when it comes to history. Again, 1970, so we're talking, let's see, 40, 50 years ago, we were already looking at how too much information, aka the paradox of choices, right? Too much choices, too much information paralyzes us. Analysis paralysis, if you want to look at it that way. And we have, we're at the pinnacle of receiving information. I, there's no other era where we have had to use more than our capacity to balance all kinds of things, right? We're supposed to be more efficient with technology. And in some ways we have become more efficient. Uh, we could we could ideally tell a whole bunch of folks that we're doing okay if we just got off surgery, right? We don't have to call each and every individual person. When it comes to the news, we don't have to flip the channels to um, see what's going on or to get two sides of the story. We can, we can go on our computer, we can go on our smartphone or tablets, and in some ways that's it's become more efficient. Now, the problem with the cause of information overload is that too much is being created, all right? There's too much information available to us even if we become more efficient at gathering and processing the information. So, you know, some of the most common reasons behind modern information overload is, yes, huge volumes of new information. Also, pressure to create and compete in information provision. It leads to quantity over quality. We see this in the news a lot, where getting the story out is more important than getting the right story out. Stay with me, stay with me. This will all tie into information, dating, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, It's very simple to create and duplicate information online, right? So you either hear it by repetition, which cements your belief, or uh, or the opposite. It angers you because you see it more than once. And uh, exponential outlets, there's exponential channels to receive that information. Radio, television, print, media, websites, email, Um, RSS feeds, social media, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) This is where it's good is the increasing weight of historical data that's available to us. We, you know, if we're doing a report for school, we can access um, some sort of scholarly article or something that gives us empirical data, which is obviously very useful, but everything in moderation. (laughs) I laugh again because this is, I'm creating this on the eve of, of uh, the elections 2020. And it's a high volume of conflicting and inaccurate information on both sides of, of the aisle. And there's really no simple methodology for processing, comparing, and evaluating information sources, right? I I know like Facebook and some of these other places are trying to do fact check, right? They're trying to ensure that you have the right information and you're not not viewing things that are distorted, but that in itself has become a little bit uh, erroneous. Uh, We found out and, and unethical in some ways because the information that's being fact checked may be biased and what's being fact checked 
versus what's not being fact checked. And uh, that's a little bit unfair when you're trying to um, when you're trying to come down to a result of what you feel about something, especially like social political realm, which goes into the lack of clear structure in groups of information and poor clues as to the relationship between those groups. So again, it's it's finding out, you know, if you have a survey of 100 people and they all believe, you know, a certain candidate or a social belief is the right thing. And then you actually find out that the 100 people were all a certain political party or certain ethnicity. But some people are just going to go off the fact that, hey, 100 people and 90 agreed. Well, let's look, let's dig a little bit deeper and look at what those uh what those surveying parameters look like. So um, those are causes of information overload. Um, I'm going to tie that into, into dating here before we get into attention economics. Stay tuned. So, Without further ado, we have to find out how this all ties into dating because I think it's fair, right? We don't want to just get another podcast. This is a dating doc. We got we got a diagnosis. We got to find out what is the underlying issue at hand here. So information overload, how does that apply? So let's take a look at how many apps some people are on. We'll take the online example. You can go through three or four apps Swipe, 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 swipe left, swipe right, message, match, send messages. And you get to a point where you have so much information you're processing that your creativity and wit goes out the window, right? Where now you can't even get beyond the hey or the hi or the hello or the good night or how's your day messages. Very simplified messages because, again, our processing capacity is at its limit. And deep down, many of us want to connect. It doesn't matter if it's short-term, long-term, uh, FWB, um, open relationship. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship you want. We want to connect. That's what makes someone more than just a photo on a profile. It makes them a human. It makes them someone that you're motivated and getting to know. But when you're processing so much information on the outside of dating, again, through all the things that we're doing, and your escape becomes more information overload, right? You're taking breaks from social media, ironically, watching more information. And then you're so confused, you don't know if social media is the break or if it's just part of that work that is taxing your brain to the point that when you jump on the online piece, you have no energy for anyone else. And you just have fun matching. Now, the companies like Match Group Limited, they're aware of this. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more on uh, the attention economics part. But keep this in mind is that information overload is happening at this very second. Some people have either tuned off to this podcast or it's background noise or they're attentively listening. Thank you very much. Hopefully my voice isn't so soothing that it puts you to sleep, right? And, you know, I'm hoping that you can snap out of it if you are someone who's addicted to the apps, but you're not connected with anyone. Might be the information overload piece, okay? You may even feel that pressure to create these matches 
and you want quantity over actually quality messages, it's not going to get you anywhere. So let's get into attention economics. We got to talk about what exactly they're doing behind the scenes to pimp your brain for some cash. Attention economics ties in very much with information overload. It's uh, it's an approach to management of information. It treats human attention as a scarce commodity and applies economic theory to solve various information management problems. According to Matthew Crawford, attention is a resource. A person only has so much of it. <laughs> so if you don't think that the swipe, the, the uh, advent of swiping, technology when it comes to dating apps is a new thing you're wrong there used to be an app called hot or not back in the early 2000s that popularized at that time it wasn't a swipe left or swipe right you would hit an x if you're interested in the person and i believe it might have been a thumbs up or something of that sort if uh if you like the person so it's been around for some time and it was it was a very simplified way of you making shallow judgments on someone um, to the point that people now, they don't even fill out their, their profile information because they feel there's no value in the content of a person's character. They'd rather just put these over-sexualized photos and hope for the best. And then some actually do care. And then they meet those that have the over-sexualized and no content type profiles. And when quality meets bored quantity, uh, results may vary, right? So attention is focused mental engagement on a particular item of information, right? So items come into our awareness. We attend to a particular item and then we decide whether to act. Shopping habits, right? You see something, you like it, you buy it. You see something, you kind of like it, you're distracted. So again, this is what attention economics is about, is about grabbing you, grabbing that information getting it because we know you only have so much of it and we understand we as in those that are in the sphere of trying to grab your attention like I'm doing right now that your attention span is is a scarce commodity you only have so much in that gas tank called attention span and we want to try to grab some of it by good bad or ugly software applications either explicitly or implicitly take attention economic economy into consideration in their user interface design. Again, this goes back into the design of Tinder versus something like a, like a, other apps that I'm going to allude to here in a second. And, you know, you create filters and make sure that viewers are presented with information that is most relevant and that you're interested in and personalized, right? So you've seen that. You might be thinking of your favorite show. You had a discussion and all of a sudden you see it on Facebook or Instagram being advertised and you're like, what the heck? I was just thinking about this. Welp. It was obviously on your mind. Your attention was turned to it. So let's see if you can, you know, try to convert a shopper. And it's not a good or bad thing. It just, it, I hate to say this. It is what it is nowadays. Um, You yourself, you have more power than what you know when it comes to your attention span. But it's very under the radar to realize that, oh man, I really don't have that much of an attention span. And my shopping habits are based on, very short uh, decision-making, very decisive decision-making. 
So this is what attention economics boils down to. And, you know, when it comes to match group limited companies, um, you know, for, for example, I would say the more popular ones like like Tinder, uh, Match, especially um, they've even even Match has Tinderized their um, their website. You know, they were heavy on quality over quantity, in my humble opinion, and they've switched over to these quick ADD attention. You know deficit disorder type of folks where you can just go in match send a quick message and get out again there's really no connection happening there i do however feel that hinge separates itself i'm going to do an entire podcast episode on which i feel are the best apps out there by rank but the issue is that you know romance courtship and heck even trust prior to entering the bedroom requires some organic and natural flow. I mean, it, it does. You, you got to have something natural when it comes to dating and courtship. Can you imagine if there was an app that would force a plant to grow? That, that's that's kind of what's happening right now is you are pimping dating and courting. Again, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you want, even if it's just a, a booty call. They've pimped it to a point where they just want your cash. They want your quick money because they know your attention span is limited because you're distracted with 20 other apps and work and life and the news. So might as well make it quick. You can't make dating quick. Okay. And I don't mean just a physical. You just, you, you just can't. It, it just, that's why people hit dating fatigue a lot faster. So it's, it, it's what I call a slaughterhouse of connection. These apps, uh, again, other than I would say Hinge, which I'm going to do an episode about. I'm getting no commission from them, by the way. No sponsorship. Slaughterhouse of connections. Churning out one empty connection after the other. It ends up leaving people very bitter in a disarray about will they ever meet someone. That's what's happening. You right now, your attention span is being pimped by the apps. If you're using digital dating apps. It's up to you to reverse that cycle and take control of your own dating life. If you know that people fall victim to that information overload and they treat you like a piece of entertainment rather than someone they'd rather connect with, then hey, don't waste your time. Your time is valuable. Your attention span is valuable. Focus that the right way and you may end up meeting the person you're supposed to. So what do you think? Have you suffered from attention overload? Have you seen examples of how attention economics comes into play, whether it, whether it's your shopping or your friends or family that may just have no attention left and they're addicts to information overload? Literally, it's almost like they're burned out. Their, their brain is fried and all they can do is just be on the phone, um, completely being overloaded by digital. Uh, let us know what you think. I would love to hear from you as well. So until next time, and yes, let's stay a little bit peaceful after tomorrow. Thank you.